Hey, everybody. Welcome to Artifice episode 28. Can I just say, I am so overjoyed that it is the fall time. I love the fall. Uh, the weather is so beautiful. I just want to make all the soups and warm, cozy things. Um, the air just like feels good. I went to therapy today. It was so nice. Then I picked Andrew up from work and took him to lunch. That was nice. Um, today's episode is with Lulu Fall, and I just have to tell you guys some little backstory. So uh, I had never met Lulu before, but have been kind of like watching her work for a couple of years because her boyfriend, now they're engaged, I'm going to have a story about it here in just a second, um, was the director of jazz studies at the University of Utah. And uh, I really wanted to interview Lulu for the podcast. And right after I was like, you know, kind of like getting my shit together to like get the podcast up and running, uh, Chris announced that he was leaving and, and leaving Utah. And then I was like, no, I'm never going to get to interview Lulu. Um, so she was back for like just a weekend from New York. And I was like, Lulu, please let me interview for the podcast. And she was like, I think I have a little bit of time. And then this is where the story gets hopefully a little more interesting. Uh, Chris texted me and was like, Emily, I'd like to propose to Lulu. She's very difficult to surprise. So um, can you get her out of the hotel for a couple of hours to interview her for the podcast? And, uh, and I will like set up a surprise to propose to her. So I was like, yes, I can help with this. But also I, I should, you know, I should have probably told Chris, I'm a really bad liar. I'm a very bad pretender. I get antsy. I get very anxious. So when I picked Lulu up, I'd never met her before. And I was so nervous. I was so worried that I would like accidentally give something away. We went to a place I'd never been to, to do the interview. Um, it turns out there was like a conference room we could have used, but like, I didn't realize it anyway. So all this to say, um, you'll hear in this episode a little bit of like radio playing in the background. Hopefully it's not too bothersome. I listened I listened back to kind of check it out. It seems okay to me. The most important thing is I had a great conversation with Lulu. She's very interesting. She has a lot of really important and beautiful things to say. And little did she know, but I knew, that right when I dropped her off back at the hotel after the podcast she was going to get engaged. So congratulations to Lulu and Chris. They are now engaged. Um, and I, I feel really excited that I was able to kind of like help a little bit with that. And, uh, and mostly I'm just super pumped that we got Lulu on the podcast, you guys. It's so great. Okay. I'm going to pull up her bio and read you some stuff from it. She's got just more stuff than I could ever just put in this intro. So, you know, definitely listen and then also check out all of her stuff. But here's a little bit. Lulu Fall is a singer, award-winning songwriter, and actor currently based in New York. Lulu, a formally trained jazz vocalist with a musical theater background, is one complete and unexpected package. Amen. As a product of Senegalese and Cameroonian parentage, her music reflects her global perspective by way of her American sensibilities. Lulu was a featured ensemble member in the acclaimed hippie rock love musical Hair, both the first national tour and on Broadway. Lulu was also most recently in the Broadway production of Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of 1812, uh, which starred Josh Groban. 
No big deal. Um, and the off-Broadway productions of This Ain't No Disco and Wild Goose Dreams. Lulu has a degree in jazz studies from Michigan State University. Lulu was also a finalist in the fourth annual Sarah Vaughan International Vocal Jazz Competition. You guys, for those who don't know, that is a huge deal. It's awesome. Um, Lulu won the Mid-Atlantic Song Competition and was awarded gold and silver for her songs Fight and No Better in the R&B category. Her single, Pretty for a Dark Girl, was awarded the top five winner in the R&B category of the Great American Song Contest. And Lulu is set to release her next album, Between Two Worlds, on November 8th of this year, 2020, under the Rope-A-Dope label. Um, so that that will be that will be coming out just right after this podcast is released. So uh, maybe like, yeah, about, about a month later. So it's, it's very exciting. Oh my gosh, I've been talking for way too long. You guys... Please enjoy Miss Lulu Fall. Sometimes art feels like magic, pure, visionary. And sometimes it's brought to you in part by focus groups and algorithms. And the makers of art are no different. We're creatives, sure, but we're also salespeople. We need imagination and imitation. We need deep, meaningful connections. But we also have to network. Yep, even if you're an introvert. And that's my point. Balancing vulnerability with veneer is tricky, and it's a struggle we don't often share. So let's share. I'm Emily Merrill, and this is Artifice. Today's episode of Artifice is brought to you by Vocal Mist. Vocal Mist is an incredible tool for singers, actors, public speakers, teachers, team leaders, and anyone for whom vocal health is a daily necessity. The latest findings indicate that using a nebulizer with isotonic saline can actually help your vocal cords create sound with reduced pressure. Featuring a removable face mask and USB rechargeable lithium batteries, Vocal Mist is an accessible way of getting rid of dry mucus, alleviating allergies, and keeping your voice working easily at any time of day. Visit myvocalmist.com and use promo code ARTIFICE, that's all caps A-R-T-I-F-I-C-E, for $10 off your Vocal Mist bundle package today. Okay, I'm here with Lulu. It's weird because I do all my interviews in my own very own basement, and today we are doing an interview in a brand new space, <laughs> which is making me feel strange, but it's great. It's exciting. Um, and also I should tell the listeners, this is really just like serendipitous because Lulu lives in New York and she's only here for like, what, two days? Yeah. It's very <laughs> exciting. So uh, when I saw on Facebook that she was coming, I was like, oh my gosh, please let me interview you. <laughs> I'm happy it worked out. And we have like kind of a shorter, a shorter time. So I'm going to Look at my little Fitbit. Okay. <laughs> um, so we talked a little bit in the car while we were, you know, because we're trying to save time. So um, I think let's just start with like the question I start with everybody, which is what was like your very first kind of um, creative like passion when you were like a little child? Like what's oh. the first thing you can kind of remember just feeling like kind of feeling like that creative spark about? Okay, well, first of all, I truly, truly believe that the universe, God, whatever you want to uh, call your higher power, chose me to be in this business, chose me to um, be this very expressive artist. With that said, when I was a kid, I remember taking lots and lots of pieces of paper 
and just scribbling as if I was writing cursive. Yeah. Just like scribbling on pieces of paper over and over and over again. And then I would take them and I would tape them. <laughs> I would tape them on the blinds in my room. Then I would just sit there and I would look. And I knew I knew how to how to write already. Um, but it, it was just a very odd thing that I did. I would pretend like I was writing cursive. So again, I was just basically yeah. scribbling. And then I would just like scour each piece of paper, each line. And then I would like circle like words that I yeah. would discover out of me just oh my gosh, I love stream that. of consciousness scribbling. It's yeah. And um and then from there I would take the words that I found and I would write poetry with it. Oh my gosh, I love that so much. Yeah, yeah. So that it's was like, like one of my first one of my first things I can remember. I it's almost like it reminds me of like looking at clouds. Yes. Yeah, but they were like your own clouds. Yes. Um, I love that too. Like I, I, I actually interviewed a poet a couple of weeks ago. His episode comes out. Uh, like it's the very next one that's coming out. Um, but he, uh, he was talking about like this difference between like the type of art where like you know what it's going to be and you just need to like execute it, and the type of art where like you kind of discover it in the process. Which sounds mm-hmm. like that's something you were doing at such a young age. Um, I've also been talking with a lot of people recently and we sort of maybe talked about it just a little bit, but this kind of thing of like, at what point in a young artist's life do they start to feel kind of like ownership, ownership over the things that they're doing versus kind of feeling like someone's giving them an assignment. Mm. And that is like such a great example of that kind of ownership. Like no one told you to do that. No one gave you the idea. (laughs) Um, And I think that kind of, that kind of thing, like it requires, or it shows like a lot of confidence. Um, where did you think that came from? You know what I mean? Like just, um, I have no idea. I honestly, again, I think that it, this gift came from God. Um, I also know that my parents have always been extremely supportive and much like I told you in the car, like when my parents noticed that I was, exhibiting lots of interest in the arts because I used to dance when I was younger and they immediately enrolled me in in dance classes and you know had little recitals and stuff Um, but as soon as I started exhibiting even a a, a pinch of interest they just enrolled me in stuff so that alone gave me the artistic freedom the artistic expression and just also allowed allowed me to create a space in which I can own this newfound, this newfound uh, like curiosity. Or yeah, yeah, this newfound curiosity. My parents never ever shied me away from it, and yeah. again, them seeing that I was so interested in it, they were like, "Okay, we don't know anything about this, but um, yeah, take these dance classes." <laughs> I love <laughs> you know? that so much. Well, I think like they're, you know, we were we were talking about this a little bit before, but like. You know, that's the kind of behavior, like drawing, you know, you're doing your cursive and then finding words. Mm-hmm. My parents would have totally made fun of me about that. <laughs> and I think even like, you know, pretty nice parents might be like, oh, Lulu, what a weirdo, you know, mm-hmm. but like for your parents to be like, what are you doing? Like, you know, and being like, like seeing that, like, you know, that's, that's really, it is a gift. And that's kind of like a special, like your special little spark. Um, how did, how did you start to like develop that spark into like, you know, skill sets that you could sort of like share with other people, meaning like, you know, make art with other people? Mm, That's a good question. Um, Well, again, one way in which I was able to make art with other people and therefore just understand 
where my place is in this yeah. art world myself was to take dance classes. Okay, yeah, you, uh, you just said that. No, no, yeah, no, sorry. No, 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 no. I'm just, you know, yeah. um, just reiterating that and then moving forward. Yeah. No, no, you're fine. Uh, <laughs> taking dance classes, studying with different people yeah. who are my age, younger, older, um, just cultivating that space with the community of people as opposed to me just doing it by myself. Yeah. That was very helpful. Um, and I don't think that I got into acting until later on. Did acting um, come before singing? I mean, I'm sure you were always singing. Singing came first. Okay. But I, aside from my family, I couldn't sing in front of other people. I had stage fright until college. Yeah, so, wow. Yeah. Okay, so this is interesting. <laughs> so, like, you know, we, we were talking... Um, when we were walking up here about like the natural born artist versus what, what would you call the other thing? Like, you know, it's like you have some art curiosity, but it's yeah. not like in you. It's not like a, it's not in your kind of identity. Yeah. 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 Um, Chris, Chris Johnson and I, uh, actually were talking about this. Uh, he said to me, he just turned to me one day and said, Lulu, you were born an artist. And yeah. I was like, duh, so are you. Yeah. And he's like, no, no, no. Like, <laughs> You 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 breathe artistry in everything you yeah. do ever since you were a kid, and I was like, okay, so you did. So what yeah. is that? Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, well, I had to learn. Yeah. You're a natural artist, and I'm a learned artist. And I said, well, what, what does that mean? And he said, yeah. well, I was very very big into math. I was I was I was a math nerd, and my way of associating my way of associating math with art was to get really really good with math first yeah and then using math as a way to to create compositions yeah but he said but I was tone deaf when I was younger mm. um I you know loved music sure but it wasn't anything that just lived and breathed through me the yeah. way that it did you since yeah. you were a child so it was just very funny to to you know if you're an artist you're an artist yeah. through and through but it's just really, really, really interesting to learn from the outside looking in that there are people who are quote unquote natural yeah. born artists and people who are learned yeah. artists. Um, again, have, it's all it's all the same to me. You know, yeah. it's all I have to assume important. that spark like it starts in the same place. It's oh, just like absolutely. so uh, the reason that I'm asking is like, you know. If you like you, you clearly were like this, this natural artist. So I'd love for you to talk about like how that kind of like just sort of innate like confidence about or maybe maybe confidence isn't the right word, but like mm. like comfort in yeah. that kind of that art and, you know, kind of living, breathing it. How did that like intersect or interact with like your stage fright? Like what could you put words on like why it was still scary to put the art in front of people even though it felt like second nature to you yeah that's a good question you know i'm still trying to figure that out yeah, but i will <laughs> i mean i think that's what this podcast is about like just us as artists kind of reflecting on like mm -hmm. hmm, what's my what is my stuff like yeah what are my things i think okay so i'm very very passionate about music very passionate about dance, even though I don't I don't dance anymore. Very passionate about uh, theater and acting. Yeah. With that said, music has always been very, very, very close to me. Closer to me mm. than the other two art forms. Uh, particular, particularly because 
you know, the poetry that I would write, which later turned into songwriting, yeah. it comes from me. It comes from mm. the depths of my soul, the corners yeah. of my mind. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And not to say that, you know, dancing and acting wasn't deep for me at all. Yeah. But the good thing is that I could, I could tuck myself away. Totally. And hide behind the choreography or hide behind uh, the character. The character, yeah. And so Mm. as I got older, I found that, oh, yeah, I could do this art thing. I just won't sing in public. Yeah. But I'll dance in public and I'll do theater in public. And, you know, if I have to, uh, if my character has to sing, that's totally fine because that's my character. It's not me. I can still kind of hide behind that. Mm. But it dawned on me that, oh, you know, Years later, like, say, eighth grade, when yeah. I was 13 years old and I was asked to sing Silent Night in front of a rowdy, rowdy group of <laughs> kids. Your it, peers, yeah. Mm-hmm, it dawned yeah. on me that, oh, shoot, I don't think I ever dealt with the stage fright. Yeah. But I did it. I did yeah, it, and yeah, it felt yeah. amazing. It felt mm-hmm. amazing. But, um, but again, I think the fact that I never quite addressed where that stage, why I had the stage fright yeah. when it came to singing and how to not... Not asking my myself, how do I hide from, or, or excuse me, how do I hide uh, behind yeah. the lyrics and the music that yeah. I that I perform, but more so, how do I open myself up to that? Yeah, um, I couldn't quite figure that out, and then um, so it was kind of like <laughs> it was kind of like like you know when I deal with stage fright with my students or with just peers or just you know even with myself. I feel like there are all these pieces to it. And one of the pieces, like, I I think maybe what you're trying to say is like, how do I expose myself to the music? Mm -hmm. Like, is that kind of what you're saying? Like, because there's like the public and then there's Mm -hmm. also like, there's a certain amount of exposure when like it's yourself, like me, Emily, you, Lulu, like singing these words from like our own perspectives versus Mm -hmm. like through a character or like you're just carrying out like a choreographer's vision. Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm. vulnerable. Does does that feel like part of it? That feels like part of it. Exposing myself to the music. I mean, you have to expose yourself to the music or there's just a huge problem. Yeah, yeah. The problem was taking, taking that vulnerability and sharing it with people outside of, yeah. of my parents. Can you, can you like think of like what, what's scary about it or like what was problematic about it? Hmm. I guess, um, music is my diary, you know? Oh, it's just like too personal. It's, it's extremely personal. Yeah. And I mean, now I lean into it, you know, for, for years I've been like yeah. leaning into that because as an artist, like, you got to learn. You know, you, yeah. yeah. And you and, and and in order to be a successful artist, in my opinion, in order to successfully reach as many people as you can, you have to be vulnerable. Yeah. You know, that that's what this is about. That's what this language is about. It's like the whole beauty of it. Absolutely. So with that said, I think that that was just the hardest part for me was, oh, man, people are going to like really, really, really see me. And I don't yeah. want people to make fun of me again. Whereas with choreography. Yeah. It's someone else's vision. Right. You can you know? kind of like offset it. Yeah. Like yeah, if, yeah. if the audience loves it, you can be like, yeah, I was really part of that. And if the audience doesn't, you can be like, this doesn't have to be mine to mm-hmm. like. Um, yeah. I also find that like, OK, so I'm, I'm going to ask like a, a sort of a leading question just in case you have thoughts about it. But, um, <laughs> you know, so I, I'm obsessed with this, like this question of like, 
what's the line between like our identity as an individual and like our identity as an artist. And Mm. as much as, you know, sometimes I think people can say like, oh, it doesn't matter what people think. Like it definitely matters what people think. I mean, it doesn't have to affect your actions, but it certainly will affect something. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I, this is just something I've been thinking about recently, but sometimes I think if you spend a lot of time around people who are projecting an identity onto you that you don't agree with Mm -hmm. that can be like very damaging to like your fragile you know whatever so sometimes I wonder with young singers and young artists in general um if some of that stage fright is like I'm worried that these people in the audience will like like it's maybe less like I'm worried I'll sound bad because like you're probably not like you, you're probably not that worried you'll sound bad <laughs> or like maybe sometimes that thing, but mm-hmm. probably most of the time you've practiced, but it's, I, I think sometimes it's more like, what if they just like make a judgment about like the sheer fact that I'm being like more vulnerable than is acceptable for like people our age. Mm-hmm. D- mm-hmm. Does that like, does any of that like ring true to you as like being pe- a piece of like why that exposure is tricky? That does make sense. I mean, Worrying that people won't like your music um, or they'll one think thing. you're like stepping outside of some like social contract. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. well, you know what? Good point. Good point. Uh, I was telling you in the in the car, but um, my therapist very very recently um, told me that Lulu the artist is different from Lulu the person, and I was like, "What? Yeah, <laughs> never ever. It never even occurred to me." So, with that said, I think that for me and i'm just literally discovering this as we speak i think that for me was the is the key to me letting go of my stage yeah. fright because my thing was this lulu the artist is performing yeah lulu the person is afraid of what people might think mm. the problem is lulu the artist has to relinquish uh, that fear. Or Lulu the artist doesn't have that fear. You know, Lulu the artist is just performing and it's just like, you know, uh, sharing her art. Yeah. But Lulu, the person, is very fearful at times, is a very closed-off person sometimes, Mm. and does not like to be vulnerable. Yeah. And so talk about separating the person from the artist... Clearly, I didn't even know that that was possible. Yeah. And so I think that that is what fueled my stage fright is yeah. Lulu the person is like, oh, I don't want to let people in. But Lulu the artist is like, oh, you got to be open. Yeah. Oh, and my so, gosh. I relate to that so much. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I believe that once I began, uh, all, all of this is, you know, totally unconscious. But once I began to separate the artist from the person... I was then able to dissipate that stage fright. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I'm literally discovering this right now, you know? Yeah. I've thought about this before, but like, I totally feel the same way. It's like when, like, I think I can see it going different ways for people. Like I can imagine it being like combining the artist with the person is what Mm -hmm. does the trick kind of separating it is what does the trick. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's why I'm so curious about it. Cause there's this weird, um, I don't know, like this weird dance between like this part of yourself that's just like free and confident and exploratory and then this part of yourself that's like soft and like 
you know, <laughs> like private. Um, mm-hmm. That's why I like to ask people because, you know, as we were kind of talking about before, like people like, you know, the the public or like your audience or even your peers, they see like what they see the finished product. They don't always see that kind of like wrestle. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any other thoughts about it? Like as you're kind of. Oh, man, I mean, at the end of the day. We're human, you know, yeah. um, if you take like the the Leon Le Havises, who's like one of my favorite singers yeah, or uh, Diane Reeves or Beyonce, you know, people always see the finished product. Yeah. People see this perfectly polished, confident, amazing, sexy human being. Yeah. At the end of the day, there are people, too. Yeah. They have they have their own struggles just like we do. They have yeah. many, many insecurities because no one's perfect, but they have learned at least from my eyes they have learned how to healthily separate the person from the artist yeah you know in order to be able to successfully create and successfully connect to the masses because Mm -hmm. that's important ultimately Mm -hmm. yeah um do you have thoughts about like which like pieces of it uh which pieces of yourself like best serve your art the vulnerable the vo- excuse me the vulnerable part of me um again i'm like leaning more into that yeah uh, as as much of i'm i'm a very extroverted person there's also like a small percentage of me that completely closes off from people and just like mm. and i think that's like the little kid in me you know just yeah. completely needs to zone out and be in her room and just scribble you yeah, know what yeah, i mean yeah. um and so I lean into that little girl a lot, especially with this new album that's coming out. Yeah. I, I lean into that a lot. I lean into the vulnerability because at the end of the day, art is supposed to represent life. Mm-hmm. And it, personally, me being an artist, it is my duty, my absolute duty to be an open book. It's my yeah. absolute duty to to be the voice uh, for people who are going through the same thing that I'm going through yeah. or not. Yeah. And, you know, just allow myself to relate to as many people as I can through my art. So with that said, it just feels really, really good to lean into that vulnerability, to lean into music being my diary. Yeah. But again, allowing myself to sep- healthily separate Lulu the person from Lulu the yeah. artist. And I think that that is what creates that beautiful... Um, synergy between artist and listener or fan whatever you will yeah um yesterday i performed at the utah jazz and roots festival and it was so fun it was so exciting (laughs) and um i have a song that actually took me several years to begin to write Mm -hmm. i didn't even write it yet it just took me years to begin to write it only because I knew that it was going to expose a very, very vulnerable part of me. And yeah. um, this song is uh, featured in uh, myself and Chris's uh, collaborative de- debut album called The Unpaved Road. Mm. Uh, the song is called Pretty for a Dark Girl. Yeah. And mm. not that the song needs that much explanation since the yeah. title says it all. But, you know, being a dark skinned woman as a kid, I was teased for being dark skinned. And of course, on top of that, having African parents with thick accents, you know? Um, yeah. And I was definitely called names and all that stuff. Um, but also, you know, they would just be like, you're so, you're just so black. <laughs> and I was like, 
oh god okay yeah. i didn't know what to do with that as a kid so i internalized that yeah um and then as i got older and you know i i'm becoming a woman and i'm you know changing and growing and all that stuff i found that you know people would be interested in me say oh you're so pretty i'm like thank you yeah and they're like i usually like lighter skin girls oh, though no. yeah um so i don't know dark skin girls aren't usually that pretty um but but you're pretty for a dark girl, and I, I'm, I'm I am like not exaggerating. Yeah, yeah, it's um very very hurtful. And again, what I what I do with those feelings, I internalize them. Of course, mm-hmm. I would talk to you know my peers about it. I would talk to my mom about it. Yeah. And then uh, what are we? 2019, 2016. Yeah. I sat down and I was like, I have to write this song. Yeah. I have to write pretty for a dark girl. And I remember when I when I told my mom, Hey mom, I'm gonna write this song, and it's about you know, this, my mom even said, are you sure you want to ruffle these feathers? Yeah. And I, you know, it, it, I understand where she's coming from. She yeah. doesn't want me to be hurt and this and that, but it made me cringe. Didn't make me upset. It just made me cringe, but it also just, uh, further validated the fact that, yeah. Oh, I have to write this because oh my gosh, yeah, people are going through this. You don't have to be black to go through this, you know, totally, but yeah, you know, you, you can well, just be different. This is kind of what I meant with like, when I said before, like, you know, everyone, you know, people will say to you like, oh, it doesn't matter what people think, but like, it matters what people think. Not that they're right, but like that, you can't help but like have that get in. And then when it kind of gets in, it, it affects how you think about yourself. And it's maybe Mm -hmm. even like, even if you know that, even if like somewhere in your mind, you know, like people are wrong, like, you know, uh, like this this thing that people are saying is like hurtful it doesn't have to affect like who I am like I know I'm enough you know even if you like Mm -hmm. are thinking that it's still um it damages your ability to trust people Mm -hmm. it damages your ability to think that you can um like either way that you can that you can trust people's compliments because you're wondering like is there this caveat like Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. is there like a you are you know whatever x compliment for uh whatever x mm-hmm. anything mm-hmm. um there was always a but in there yeah you know well and then also like i imagine that it also like makes it a lot harder to take certain risks if you've gotten like any kind of hurtful um or ignorant feedback mm-hmm. um but i want to say one other thing um you know i think some people project onto singers and probably any kind of storytellers like that what we're doing is like healing. Like, is that something that people like, I mean, that's just the thing that happens to me, but people mm-hmm. are like, oh, is this like, is this healing for you? Mm-hmm. I always think like, you know, maybe some of the time, but like, that's not my job. Mm-hmm. Like when you, when you said your mom said like, are you sure you want to ruffle these feathers? Like, y- yeah, mm-hmm. you have to, it's it not going to be easy. Yep. It is my job again to, yeah. to bear my soul. And I know that, by opening up and being very transparent and again, leaning into that, that little girl vulnerability. I know that, uh, I'm setting myself up to, it's, you know, hurt criticized or to be judged or this or that. But at the same time in this industry, whether I'm acting, whether I'm singing, whether I'm dancing, I am risking, I'm, I'm, I'm already at risk for any type of criticisms and, And I knew that when I decided yeah. to pursue this, yeah. you know, uh, seriously. Yeah. Um, with that said, me being a very spiritual person, 
I do believe that I'm not going to say that it's our job to heal, but I personally believe that part of my duty as an artist is to is to heal souls. Yeah. And, um, you know, I've just been like coming to grips with that more and more. Yeah. It's a huge responsibility, but it's also something that um, it, it's it's something that I'm absolutely willing to to take on and I know that it's 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 yeah it's a lot and I'm not saying that you know I'm Jesus or anything <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know but um but you know in all seriousness there are people who don't have voices yeah there are people who don't even know how to begin to formulate um these deep 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 rooted uh, uh thoughts and feelings yeah and as an artist and as a human being I want to be able to show people that hey it's okay to open up. It's okay to allow yourself to feel these things because guess what? I'm feeling these things too. Right. Yeah. You know? And it just creates that trust. Yeah. Um, it creates that transparency, that vulnerability. But it's also healing for me too. Yeah. But I, I, I've always, always believed that, oh yeah, I was I believe that I was put on this earth to 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 heal people and to allow people's souls to breathe a bit deeper yeah. and a bit easier through through the art that I'm doing. Yeah, well, having that kind of bravery to be like, this story is not easy for me to tell. It's not easy for me to dredge it up. Um, in the process of writing the song, mm-hmm. I'm, you're pro- I'm, I guess, I'm guessing you felt a lot of things. And if, you, if it were me writing, I mean, <laughs> I've, I've written like my version of that song you know, uh, that song that's, a, that's, that's about like that kind of deep, deep trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, I'm like a mess for like three days after I finish <laughs> writing something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, it's, it's not about for, for me anyway. And I think, I think I hear you saying this too. Like when you start that project, you're not doing it because you think that like writing the song is going to fix that for you Mm -hmm. you're writing it because you know it's important you know you're going through it you know you need to tell that story and yeah having that bravery to tell that story even though it hurts um because you know other people need to hear it Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. or even like even if it's not you know other people need to hear it it's like mm, like this bringing is just awareness. a story that needs to be told. Yeah. Exactly. Bringing awareness yeah. to it. So many people, there's so many people, uh, specifically outside of the um, African-American community that don't know anything about colorism. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. uh, my, my father is from, from Senegal and lots of women in Senegal and, you know, even women in my own family, they use this cream this cream that basically bleaches their skin mm. because they want to be lighter. Yeah. And they wear weaves that get straighter and straighter yeah. and straighter. And they wear foundation that's like several shades too light for their um, already bleaching skin. And it's all because someone somewhere deemed that light is better. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not trying to... Uh, to create a divide here, team dark skin, team light skin, which no, I've no, seen no. those hashtags yeah. on, on social media. And I'm like, oh, no, no. But, you know, everybody's beautiful. Yeah, team, you know, be team humans. Team <laughs> humans. Be yeah. yourself. Be you. Yeah. And again, I just, I mean, 
if I'm going to bear my soul, if yeah. I'm going to write this music, if I'm going to um, transform the stage fright into, into uh, writing vulnerable material, yeah. then I have to go for it. Yeah. And it's not only going to heal me, but it's going to heal tons of people. Yeah. And if it doesn't heal you, then guess what? It's going to spark a conversation. I was going to say, if it doesn't heal you, it's going to make you think. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And, you know, of course, not not all of my music is, you know, um, super heavy, heavy yeah. stuff. Of course, you know. Yeah. Um, but it feels good to be able to say, oh, you know what? I, w- I want to, excuse me, I want to write about this breakup. Yeah. To go from that to, you know what? Yeah. I want to write about this song yeah. that I have been terribly afraid to write about because I'm afraid that I'm the only person that's going through this, mm. you know? Yeah. So it's healing for me and I, I hope that it's healing for many others. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to talk about in terms of like uh, race <clears throat> in, in art and like, you know, what you'd like to see? Like, I mean, hmm. just things are changing yeah. little by little. It feels, um, feels amazing. Yeah. You know, to, to, to see these changes happening. Um, yeah, there's nothing in particular that comes to mind, but I just will say that um, there's a lot of music out there that is just becoming a bit more uh, deep, you yeah. know, uh, when it comes to content. You know, it's not yeah, just content like the superficial in general, fluff. I think, is, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, and I really way. like that. Mm-hmm. I do too. I mean, because the world is changing. I don't mm-hmm. want to get into it, but, you know. This, this country has like severe problems and I Some feel issues. like a lot of people and again you know being an artist it's just like a built-in job to use your platform to create awareness you yeah. know and I feel like there are a good amount of artists out there that are just starting to do just that or have been doing that but yeah. you know it's just coming to light more yeah because of the the, the messed up situations that are happening throughout our country yeah. much less the world I think it's so important. I mean, and like, you know, we've been talking about it, but that, that vulnerability, like, you know, just kind of being willing to say like, like, I, I know it's like, it can be um, like a burden to like start those conversations. Mm-hmm. Like it can feel like exhausting and, you know, um, to be like a person that, you know, if you start the conversation, then, you know, you're going to get a lot of people coming to you and telling you their stories, which is a gift, but it's also like, I'm tired, you know, mm-hmm. like I, so, I mean, I think like, I, I, I agree with you. It's kind of a beautiful thing that more of us as artists, I, I hope are, are trying to share that conversation and, mm-hmm. you know, kind of contribute to it when we have the energy and when we have the vocabulary and when we have kind of the insight and, you know, I, I, I also feel excited about that. Um, Awesome. For us. You think so too? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay. I would love to spend the next like, come on Fitbit, show me what time it is. <laughs> um, like 10 minutes maybe mm-hmm. or, or 15. I'd love to just kind of hear like how you became a professional artist. Like what are the highlights? And maybe let's start with just like, you know, if there was a moment when you were like, you know what? I'm going to go for it. I think for a yeah. lot of young people it happens like when they're trying to decide like am I going to college Mm -hmm. what am I going to major in but it's different for everybody so maybe starting with like when you were like maybe I can do this and then just like Mm -hmm. what what were the kind of like um important moments between then and when you were like I'm doing it now yeah yeah well first of all I mean my parents are um 
at the nucleus of you know this whole artist thing because they were the ones to push me you yeah. know even though they didn't know anything about it and they were like okay girl we don't know what this yeah. journey is we know it's going to be difficult but that does not mean that you can't do it and it just felt so amazing for my parents to constantly push me you know be at the front row of like my recitals and my dance yeah. shows and you know them be the ones to tell me you have a gift you can sing you can't turn your back on people when they want you to sing because I literally would just like turn around yeah. and sing. So. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but as I got older, I just noticed that, oh, okay, this isn't going away. You know, I, I didn't know whether it was a phase or not. And not that my parents ever, you know, planted that in my mind, but I was interested in other things too. Yeah. Um, I wanted to be an astronaut <laughs> for a hot second. Um, <laughs> I wanted to be uh, a fossil finder because yeah. um, I, I used to be like this huge tomboy, believe it or not. Um, but I just kept going back to music. I kept going back to theater. I kept going yeah. back to dancing. And I was like, okay. And I guess like the defining moment had to have been um, when I got accepted. Well, one of the defining moments was um, when I got accepted um uh, to the vocal department at the Duke Ellington School of the Arts in Washington, D.C. Cool. And then... How old were you? Um, 14. Okay. Was I? Yeah, So this 14. was like a... Was it a school or was it like an out of school? Oh, no, it was, it was a it high was school. Like, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, and it was long, long days uh, from yeah. like, what, 8.30 or so to 3, you would be, you know, doing your, your, okay. your academic classes. And then like from 4 to 6, you would... You would uh, do yeah, your that's you know, your rehearsals or whatever the case and might be. And this was in D.C.? In D.C., okay. yep, yep. Duke Ellington School of the Arts. And uh, I'm probably butchering the schedule. It's been a long time. But, yeah, yeah. you know, you would spend, like... But it was serious. Half the I day mean, working yeah, on it. Yeah. The point is, like, it was, mm-hmm. oh, it yeah. was serious. Yeah, yeah, You would do your your morning classes. You would do your reading and your... your uh, uh, science and math and you know all those core classes and yeah. after lunch you would go to your go, go to your arts classes you know it would be just as intense yeah. and then you'd have homework sometimes you'd have rehearsal and then and then homework yeah, and rehearsal oh, yeah that was hard but um that was one of my defining moments I ended up in the vocal department and then uh upon starting my my first year there I got approached um, to be in the musical theater department. Yeah. The musical theater department was a new division, uh, like a subdivision of the theater department. Mm-hmm. And um, myself and a few others, we were the guinea pigs of yeah. that department. And the year after I graduated, uh, they shut down that division. So it was, it was oh, very, very short-lived, yeah. um, unfortunately. But that's, you know, that's when it dawned on me that, yeah. oh, oh, well. Music and theater mm-hmm. together. Like, yeah, I was like, I don't have to separate these things yeah. because I, you know, they were all very, very separate yeah. uh, pieces of art in, in my mind. Then it came to go to college and I was like, well, am I going to study musical theater or am I going to study jazz? Yeah. And jazz came about because people would always say, oh, you have such a jazzy voice. And I was like, what, what does that mean? What does that mean? You know, and I didn't, I didn't listen to jazz. Yeah. You know, I listened to a lot, lots and lots of music, but I just didn't like, um, listen, excuse me, I didn't listen to jazz much. Yeah. And I remember my vocal teacher at the time, um, she was like, your voice is very different. And I was like, I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't even know what that meant. And she was like, have you, have you thought about looking into jazz? And I was like, no. Yeah. So she, you know, gave me like a few people to listen to. 
And I had applied to, oh man, I think like two schools or something randomly. But um, I ended up getting into the jazz studies program at Michigan State. And that's where I met Chris. Okay. Um, and you were like 18? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, yeah, 17, Like just 18. kind of right out of high school? Mm-hmm. And so that was another defining moment. I was like, well, my parents are still supporting me. And this this knack for art yeah. isn't going away. And I knew that by then it would just wouldn't go away. Yeah. So I was like, I have to, I, I owe it to I myself to try, to try yeah. this, yeah. you know? Um, despite, I mean, that's brave though. Like, girl, yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, yeah. Despite yeah. the fear, despite the uncertainty, the vulnerability, all that stuff, you know, but even if I wanted to study English or, you know, science or something like that, there would still be that's what those I elements of vulnerability. My you know? students too. Like it's a risk either way. Absolutely. Like, being a human is a risk. Like, yeah, you, you never know well what's going to happen in life for sure. <laughs> So I got into the jazz studies department. I was yeah. like, okay, I can do this. This is great. This is fun. And, you know, I, I had my own challenges. But then upon graduating, I was like, oh, what do I do now? What do I do? So another defining moment. I went back home to D.C. Uh, and the goal was always to move to New York. But, um, you know, I just didn't quite know, like, how well, to do that. I mean, it's that that is terrifying. Uh, New York yes. is like I, I've only been to New York two times, and one was when I was like a try. You know, I was like a teenager. I went mm-hmm. with my family, and then I went with my husband a couple of years ago. I feel like overwhelmed just like standing in New York. Oh, it's a very overwhelming. Uh, I don't place. know if I could live there, but yeah, yeah but yeah, I yeah. can't. I mean, I can't imagine being like, you know, twenty, twenty, twenty one, mm-hmm. being like, I'm gonna move by myself to New York City. Freaking crazy, yes. man. It is crazy. <laughs> I it can't is believe crazy. so many people do it. <laughs> yep. Uh, I was one of those people that Be- did it. <laughs> before we move on, can I just ask, when you were in the performing arts high school, mm-hmm. did you feel like belonging there, like from your peers and your professors? I did. I did. Good. Um, but that's where my stage fright started to get worse, just mm-hmm. because, um, you know, I just, start, I just became more and more um, insecure. Yeah. Well... When you're around a lot of talented mm-hmm. other kids mm-hmm. and you're a child, even if a very talented child, you're you're just your brain is like not formed and you're For sure. you're vulnerable and you're scared and For sure. And instead of like again leaning into that and saying, Oh wow, these people are so amazing. Let me practice with them, let me learn yeah. from them, let me, you know, totally be with them and be talk. so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. um instead I just started to shy away and yeah. then I just started, you know, to become that little hermit that I used to be when I was a kid and just kind of like fold into myself and um but you felt accepted you just felt um intimidated maybe by some of your peers very very intimidated and um you know encouraged and all that stuff constantly was encouraged by by teachers by peers and stuff but then the intimidation started to take over and also you know like it happens everywhere but favoritism was a a huge part of that you know what I mean and I would just kind of like become even more intimidated and would kind of like well, some, retreat into my shell even more. Some people know? respond to that kind of thing like, oh, you don't think you don't think I'm a favorite? I'll show you. And some of us respond to that like, oh, okay. You, you know, don't think like, I'm a favorite? Okay, it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. I'll, I'll just, just be I'll over just here. Be, right, things. exactly. Yeah. But um I'll do my yeah. best, but I'll but I'll you know, mm-hmm. I'll just be over here doing yeah, my best yeah. quietly. And you know, I think about it every once in a while, like in hindsight I'm just like, man, I wish that I allowed myself to not be so discouraged and so like, yeah. you know, fearful. Yeah. I wish that I, you know, leaned into it and said, oh, wow, this is overwhelming. Yeah. But I can do it too. 
Yeah. You know, and you know, I did do it, sure, but I just I just wish that I wasn't discouraged, but I was just more encouraged and just like yeah. leaned more into it and and all that took stuff. More but, risks and yeah, blah, but at blah, the same blah. time, yeah. that was my journey. It is what it is. That was yeah. that was absolutely my journey. So um so yeah. So And then you you started really dealing with that stage fright in college in, um, in Michigan. I had to be faced with it, yeah, in college. I mean, not many people know this, but um I almost got kicked out of the music program (laughs) my freshman year because I just you know speaking of just like being discouraged and you know along with being discouraged sadly comes like the accidental self-sabotaging that you do oh yeah you're Mm -hmm. like well fine if you don't think I'm good enough I'm just gonna not do anything yeah and yeah I remember my vocal teacher Sunny Wilkinson who is amazing yeah I've met her oh yeah yeah she did like a um I had no idea she was out there but she Mm -hmm. did a she was like a clinician in my high school in Arizona once oh that's amazing she oh uh, her and um Derek Gardner uh the trumpet professor um they're both no longer there but uh they were the ones that really really like pushed me yeah. like beyond my limits so just important. crying and like <laughs> well, throwing temper tantrums um but yeah she I, was just like girl you gotta get it together step it up yeah you know this is not high school where you you know teachers can hold your hand and say hey yeah. it's gonna be okay you will fail yeah if you don't do this and do this right and I yeah. was like oh my god okay, okay. well I like, I'm glad that, I'm glad that I brought you back here because (laughs) I, I, I kind of mentioned it um, before, but like, you know, I think anybody would look at you now and be like, oh my gosh, Lulu, so (laughs) successful, so confident. Like, you know, you have this like amazing sense of style and like, you know, and you're, and you're, you're going into these hard subjects, but you're also like doing totally just joyful things you know you're just doing so much you're modeling like you have all these things you live in new york you're like killing it in new york um and i think it's easy for people to be like oh well lulu's just i'm sure she's always just been the top of the class she's always just Mm -hmm. been so but i mean i think it's very rarely true and unfortunately i think a lot of times the people who are kind of like those top of the class favorites really struggle you know like in the real world um we all do we all have our struggles it just it just comes yeah. in different forms you know well and i like i like to remind people that like looking at an artist who's like you know mostly baked like i mean none of us are fully baked because we're continuing to you know grow as mm-hmm. long as we're alive and making stuff but like it's so not fair to like project a history onto someone that you're looking at um and not to understand like no i like i had this you know i had this teacher that had to be like hey get your shit together or like you can't be here. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and then also like, I wasn't always the favorite. I think those stories can be, it can remind those of us who are at, you know, various points in our journey to remember, like if I'm high, if I'm like high right now, if I'm like, if I am like kind of like that favorite person right now, like this is not permanent. It doesn't mean that I can just like skate by. Mm -hmm. And if I'm low right now, like it's just a piece. It's just like a piece in my puzzle you know absolutely it's just you know it's just it's just a moment you know but that's why that's a huge reason why I work so hard you know is because I had lots of struggles and I still do you know I still you know I don't have stage fright anymore but again that's morphed into I believe that that's morphed into me just wanting to like hide and being my shit and being my shell you know what I mean and and not you know, put up a, not put up a front necessarily. Cause I'm a very, very, um, 
you know, I'm a very real person. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it it just it morphs in 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 various yeah. ways. You Would know? you say it's more like a filter? Like I, I'd like to talk about what that is because I, I, I have a theory that we all have to do it. Oh, of course. It, like, so it, it's not a front because like, I, I totally agree. Like, especially if you're an artist who really cares about authenticity and telling real stories and mm-hmm. telling hard stories, you, you can't be you can't be wearing front. You can't put up like, a wall. And that's that's, you that's can't what put up a it's, wall. it's easy for me to want to do that. Yeah. You know. But you, but you can't have to shut yourself, yourself a little bit too. There's you like, do. or that's why I'm wondering if it's like a filter. It's like I'm letting mm-hmm. a certain. I know that I'm doing some version of this, but I I don't have words for it, which is why I like mm-hmm. talking about it with people because I'm trying to trying to think like what is it exactly like. Well, I mean, I think, I think it, it goes back to the whole separating the artist from the person. Yeah. You know, the person, and I, I can only speak for myself. The person is the one that's that's really vulnerable yeah. you know what I mean like my artistic yeah. self is um is way more bold you yeah. know what I mean oh, yeah. I mean just listen to my music and yeah. you'll, you'll hear the boldness you know e- even even in moments of of those um uh vulnerable songs and all that stuff there's still boldness and confidence and groundedness that comes mm-hmm. from that yeah um Lulu the person is protected because she had she has to be separated mm. from that. You know what I mean? And well, to, some, to some extent, I believe. Do you think part of it is that, like, you finished the song? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like, you're, like when you're writing the song, it's cracked open. Mm-hmm. And then when you're performing the song, it's already written. You've been through, like, the really hard pieces of, like, figuring out how you want to tell that story. And then when you go to tell the story, like, you've already, you've, like, practiced you practiced it so you can be like authentic, but you don't have to be like totally exposed mm-hmm. because you know the I mean? music like, takes over. That's what I mean. Yeah. Like having the song, like the song itself is mm-hmm. like, it's like you took all of your experiences, you like funneled them into this like beautiful piece of art. Mm-hmm. And then like the part of you that's actually felt those things just has to like go through that. Exactly. Exactly. I feel like, when I'm writing music, that's that's where Lulu the artist and Lulu the person are most connected. Yeah. Because it has to come from, obviously, it has to come from Lulu the person. Yeah. Then when I'm on stage or when I'm in the recording uh, uh, studio, whatever, but specifically when I'm on stage and I'm delivering that, that music. Yeah. Oh, man. That's Lulu the artist that's just saying, hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. I went through this. Mm-hmm. Or... I know people that went through this or whatever the case might be yeah. and I'm going to deliver this and I'm, and you're going to hear it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you know, by the time I'm on stage or by the time I'm in the studio recording stuff, right, you know, right. Lulu, Lulu, the, the, the person yeah. can just sit back. Totally. Why? Because we both put in the work in writing, mm-hmm. you know, and putting mm-hmm. like, you know, just sweat and totally. tears and emotion into that stuff. Yeah, my you know my album that's just um, I just finished it. It's not out yet, but I wrote a lot about my mom, which I was kind of just telling you in the Mm -hmm. elevator. um, Which is you know that's my version of that. Like Mm -hmm. I've been waiting. You know I've been like uh, on this story (laughs) for like you know like like twenty five years. You know been kind of thinking like this is this is a thing, and that's how I feel about it too. Like when I was writing the music, it was like 
I was not fit for public consumption in those moments. Mm. You know, like mm-hmm. I was like a mess and like crying a lot and like feeling a lot of things, angry, you know, whatever. And then by the time I say like, okay, these are the pieces of this this story that need to be in this song, then I can just practice those pieces. And when I when I put that in front of people, then like I can just reference that instead of referencing the whole like yeah, backstory yeah, 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 yeah. of trauma or whatever you know right 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 because you don't want to like break down on stage you right. know what i mean or you know yeah yeah but or, or or as a result you don't want to put up a wall and say yeah. whatever no i, I don't want to talk about this anymore you know what i mean well and like i think part of like this whole trick of vulnerability as an artist and as just a person is like you're open and letting yourself out but like once that's open like things can get in Mm -hmm. and it's tricky because like you want to put that art in front of the people who need it but like in order to do that you're inevitably inevitably going to put that art in front of people who are not going to like treat it with care for sure and then when you're already open it's like so risky so Mm -hmm. you know learning like which are the performances where I like really need to be open Mm -hmm. which are the conversations with which students like you know which students really need that like that stuff from me Mm -hmm. um I try to be as consistent as possible because I too have had those thoughts you know like oh man what if people don't like it and I'm bearing my soul and you know or you know what if people aren't um not necessarily liking it but just like are are resistant to it you know what I mean just aren't receiving it Yeah. yeah but the thing is at the end of the day I can only do what I can do people are going to like it people aren't going to like it people are going to be extremely indifferent to it and it's okay it's yeah. totally fine at the end of the day as an artist I'm going to continue to be grounded mm-hmm. I'm going to continue to bear my soul and be so open and so yeah honest you yeah. know what I mean and if you want to have a conversation about it fine if you feel like you've been healed from it fine if not totally fine but I'm not going to change what I'm yeah. doing to fit you yeah, you know yeah, what I mean because totally. it, I mean that's just a dangerous game to play yeah you know what I mean yeah yeah. Where do you um, refill? Like, where do you like, <laughs> where do you go to like, you know, replenish your inspiration or that kind of like, you know, emotional like resilience, creative resilience? I work out. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I work out. Yeah. I, I try to meditate. I'm, I'm working on that. Yeah. Um, but I work out to completely zone out. I take walks. Yeah. Um, I, I'm a photographer, um, and so especially in New York where like there's just so many things to to capture yeah um I just like literally will take the train and get lost literally will get lost and just walk around listen to music and just take pictures and just completely just allow myself to zone out allow myself to just not as much as I can not think of anything yeah and receive energy information and uh uh, what's the word inspiration yeah from the pictures that I take yeah yeah you yeah know? yeah I think like you know for me I, th- I think it's probably similar I don't work out because like <laughs> it, it brings up like a, I am like not good at sports and like or any sort of like body things and mm-hmm. so when I work out sometimes it like it like stirs up some of that like oh oh no um I like to like walk though mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um but I do think like you know doing things that are sensory can mm-hmm. be really like healing when you kind of like, when you feel sort of ex- exhausted from like all this sharing that you're doing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, like I, you know, cooking, eating, 
walking around, just like listening to things, like yeah. smelling things. Um, yeah, I, I can relate to that. Although yeah. there's definitely a lot more sensory input in New York. Yeah, a little too much. <laughs> a little too much. I guess I do have I do have mountains right by my house, which is a whole different kind of oh, whole different man. kind of thing. Yeah, these mountains are gorgeous. Yeah, they are nice. Um, okay, so I totally stopped you, but can mm-hmm. can we talk about like maybe so you? I'm skipping a little bit, but you moved to New York. Right, right. And then just what are like the big things? Um, well, I mean, seeing as though I was very, very focused on being a jazz singer. Yeah. Um, and then I think 2008 or nine rolled around uh, because after I graduated from college, I didn't like I didn't go back to theater. I was like, I'm mm-hmm. going to do this music. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like determined to just like, you know, be more grounded and like face my stage fright head on and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, and then I got the opportunity to audition for the, uh, for theater for the first time prof- uh, professionally, yeah. um, in like t- 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 2008 or nine, I can't remember. Um, and I ended up, uh, getting like an understudy wow. role and this was in DC and I was like, Oh crap, I can do this too. Yeah. Oh <laughs> you know, gosh, I love Cause it. after high school, I just kind of, you know, not abandoned it, but I just, I just kind of tucked it away somewhere. And I was like, I just want to focus on one concentration. And again, I always told myself, I want to live in New York, but it just has to be the right time because it's expensive. And, you know, I need I need work waiting for me there. I I can't just go out there with like 200 bucks and a dream, you know, like people normally do. Totally. Um, Oh, it terrifies me. I have like anxiety just thinking about that sentence. Yeah, right. (laughs) And so, uh, yeah, after auditioning for that show, it was called Crowns. I, it, it, it just opened my world up even yeah. more and talk about another defining moment. I was like, oh my God, I can do musical theater too. Yeah. And then I ended up, uh, I wasn't living in New York, but I was traveling back and forth. I was teaching in DC. Um, there's this program called the Fillmore Arts Center. Yeah. And I did some substitute stuff. Blip, blip, substitute teaching, substitute um, teaching. some, uh, you know, teaching artist work. And yeah. it was just really fun and fulfilling. Um, teaching is not like my favorite thing to do, yeah. but it is nice. It, it's, it's a beautiful way to refuel. Yeah, you know what I, I mean? think so too. And beautiful I also to think it helps you kind of like, um, put things into perspective. S- totally. Kind of? Like solve <laughs> some of those, like watching students, you kind of go like, oh, I remember feeling like, you know, you, yeah. it just helps you kind of like integrate some of Absolutely. your experiences. Yeah. And I remember like being on the receiving end of like these workshops, these masterclasses, these people that would be on Broadway and TV and, would you know, come in and just talk about, you know, their their experiences um, in the arts. Like I was so obsessed with that and I would take notes yeah. and I'm just like how do they do that? And, and it just see them as not people. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it just feels really, really good to be on the other side of that. And it just offers a completely different yeah. perspective. Yeah. You know, I love and it. And it's yeah. just so funny how like, you know, even earlier you were saying, Oh, you know, you're so successful and you're doing your thing, you're modeling, you're acting, you're singing. And it's so funny because in my head, I'm like, man, I haven't done this yet. I haven't done that yet. I need to do this. I need to do that. Yeah. I have to. And it, you know, I have a good friend um, in New York. Uh, she just shot her first movie. Yeah. And, you know, I've never been in a movie yet. Yeah. But, you know, I was just talking to her and her her fiance. I was like, wow, you guys have been in movies. And he was just like, man, there's just so much more that I need to do. And it, it doesn't come from, um, 
it comes from a humble place. It doesn't yeah. come from a, a greedy place. Totally. It's just like, oh yeah, thanks. But man, there's just so much more I need to do. And it's just really, really funny how yeah. everything is all about perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, from the outside looking in, you're doing, I'm doing what so many people have yet to do. But inside, I'm still like, oh shit, I haven't done this, that, or yeah. the other. So I'm just allowing myself to just, to just step back and look at all of my accomplishments yeah. as opposed to looking at what I haven't done. There's yeah. a billion things I haven't done, but you know what? There's a lot of things that I've done that, that were never on my radar, like mm-hmm. being on Broadway twice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Like, what, will you tell the listeners your, your two shows? Uh, the first show was Hair, uh, the tribal love rock musical. Was that like right when, was that like the Hair revival? Yeah. Were, were you in like the original cast of that? Not in the original cast. Uh, there were so many productions, but there was the original cast, right? Yeah. And then part of the original cast broke away and went to London. Okay. And then there was a replacement cast okay. that came in, yeah. right? Yeah. And then there was a touring production and I was in the touring okay, production. Cool. I love and, hair. Oh, it was just amazing. I did, I, I did it in high school. Yeah, <laughs> I, I did too. I mean, I wasn't in it, the show, but I was in this like Broadway camp that had like a, a hair medley. Mm, oh, yeah. So it feels oh, like one of those amazing. like pieces of music that was like in my childhood in this yeah, way. For so, sure, for yeah, for sure. Okay, so you were in the touring I was in hair. the tour and then we did a summer of love. I think it was like six weeks on Broadway. Okay, cool. So that was my debut and it was fairly exciting yeah just I mean talk about something that was not on my radar yeah, you know what I mean it's huge and that was um I believe the tour was between 2010 and, t- and, and 2012 okay um and I saved a lot of money and you know gained a lot of confidence yeah. and that's when I moved to New York okay it's good timing and yeah and then um you know did some regional stuff did some uh off lots of off-Broadway stuff and then 2017 2016 to 2017, I think. Or am I making that up? I think that's um, probably right. I was in Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of 1812, yeah. um, starring Josh Groban yeah. and my good friend Danae Benton, who I was just talking about, who just uh, filmed a movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I was like, oh, crap. This Did is it a, again. This is a big one. Yeah. 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 So it's amazing. And just, you know, I don't know. To the people listening, I know that, you know, people give lots of advice, seeing as though I am coming from a very, very unique place, especially since I just struggled a lot. Like, the sky's the limit. Go for it. You only live once. I know that we all have those voices in our heads that tell us that we can't do this or that we shouldn't do this. Um, I know that it's easy to get extremely discouraged, but I swear to you, that will only keep you down. Yeah. You know? And... You have to just go for it. Fall and get back up. Yeah. Fall and get back up again. Fall and get back up again and again and yeah. again. You can do this. Yeah. You can do it. And you will do it. Yeah. You know? I love it. You can it. do it. Don't stop. Well, I think too, like as artists, our whole, you know, creativity is like what we do. Mm-hmm. Why don't we apply more creativity to like, you know, this this clinician or this teacher criticizes me. Be like, hmm what are the other possibilities? Like maybe this person, like maybe they were threatened by me or like, mm-hmm. uh, Oh, I'm having this big failure. This is like, well, maybe this will just be like the story that I tell, you know, like yeah. can we apply creativity to those perspective things. Like you said, it's always perspective. So you only know your own perspective. So like, you know, can that creativity mean like, let me ask Lulu about her perspective. Mm, let me like think about like, 
what what could what other what other perspectives like could there be mm-hmm. you know just to kind of keep us moving and keep us like engaged mm-hmm. um is there anything else you want to say about this whole conversation of like identity like the 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 front end story the back end story mm-hmm. just oh, anything man. else you think is valuable kind of as like a last um thing. well i will say uh I do have an album coming out okay. uh, November 8th. It's my first solo album in 10 Yay. years. And it's my first ever concept album. And it's called Between Two Worlds. And talk about identity and rediscovery and, you know, individuality. Uh, as far as the concept goes, I'm first generation African-American. And um, growing up, uh, I didn't quite... I just kind of felt out of place. I didn't feel American enough for my American friends. I didn't feel African enough for my African family. Mm-hmm. And my way of just trying to, you know, bridge this gap and just appease the masses and fit in was to create like extremes in various parts of my life. Mm-hmm. And throughout this album, uh, those extremes are exhibited um, specifically in three ways, um, personality wise, um, sonically and uh, and situationally speaking, like just like the types of things that I'm talking about you know I'm talking about you know not being able to fit in uh to trying LSD for the first time (laughs) first and only time (laughs) you know what I mean to uh to writing a song about confidence you know what I mean it's just like lots and lots and lots of different ways in which I am basically exhibiting this quest for for individuality you know and 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 love for myself. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's called Between Two Worlds and it's really exciting. That's very exciting. Yeah, and that's yeah, perfect. Yeah. Like, yeah, you know, like not to maybe get too like meta, but like, you know, if you're <laughs> between two worlds, like you are like authentically kind of like you belong in, in both worlds, but then like you're split, you know, like, yeah. it, which is that ex- perfect, like, I don't know, like this thing of just like, who are, who are we? We're all these different things. How do we integrate? How Mm -hmm. do we separate? And I like like it so much. I'm excited for that. Absolutely. No, no, no. no. And and one great, one great thing about being an artist is that instead of like pushing things down, like I normally do, um, I put it in my music. Yeah. You know what I mean? It has to go somewhere. So I put it in my music. Oh, and you probably like, I don't know, if you're like me, you like figure it out as you're like, you mm-hmm. know, like sitting down to write it is like, how do I feel about this? Mm-hmm. It's like such a, it's a process. Mm-hmm. Okay. The last question I ask everybody is what's your dream collaboration? You can be real mm-hmm. specific and say like, I'd love to work with these people or mm-hmm. dream project. Dream collaboration. Um, I am very much so in love with Leon Le Havis's music. Yeah, she's awesome. And I would love to work with her. Oh my God. Like, even if it's just like opening up for her, even if it's just like yeah. writing a song with her, but you know, and, and, and the song be being performed by her and someone else, you know yeah. what I mean? Um, and on top of that, I love to songwrite and I really, really want to get into songwriting collaborations um mm-hmm. eventually for major artists yeah so i don't quite have anyone in mind at the moment but that is one of my biggest goals too is to be on these songwriting teams yeah you know and be in a movie oh yeah a marvel movie because <laughs> i believe that i'm a some type of s- super I human think, i think you are <laughs> I, I i can see it yeah. okay and then will you tell the listeners where to find you on the internet on the internets, um, social media, 
basically, I'm under Lulu Fall. That's L-U-L-U-F, like Frank, A-L-L. Um, our music, my music, and uh, Chris, myself and Chris's music, it's on all uh, social media platforms. Excuse me, uh, all uh streaming platforms yeah, okay. excuse me yeah. it's early yeah uh, it is early <laughs> yeah it's all on a uh, streaming platform so you can always look up lulu fall and i'll just pop up my fan page on facebook is lulu fall twitter uh youtube instagram yeah look me up awesome thanks so much lulu i'm Thank so you. like thrilled that we ah, got to talk me too it was a long time coming it really has been it has <laughs> been a long time coming so hopefully hopefully the first of many chats absolutely okay thank you thank you thanks for listening to artifice our music is by jerem hansen and artwork by savannah kiniston if you'd like to recommend a professional artist for an interview on the podcast please send me a note through my website emvocals.com and don't forget to rate review and subscribe Thanks again. Have a great week. Bye.